Hi, everyone. Uh, before we get started today, I have a listener to thank for a donation. Uh, it's been a while since we've gotten a donation, so I really want to thank Alvi Ulat for sending us a donation via PayPal. Uh, we really appreciate donations, and they do really help us to pay for equipment expenses and a lot of the ongoing expenses that we have here. So thank you again to Alvi Ulat. I really hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. We really appreciate the donation. If you would like to donate to the Messy Studio Podcast, just go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. It's a yellow button in the upper right hand corner that says donate. And there you can set up a recurring monthly donation or a single time donation for literally any amount. So that's www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. And we will, of course, thank you live on the show. Uh, this episode that we have this week is one that we actually recorded uh, over a month ago, and we were just kind of looking for the right time to air it. We felt like it might play better uh, towards the end of the year, but it is a really good episode, and I hope that you'll enjoy it. All right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about well-being. In a recent seminar on Buddhist philosophy, neuroscientist Richard Davidson spoke about four pillars of well-being, awareness, connection, insight, and purpose, all of which are practiced every day in the studios of artists as part of the creative process. Today, we'll take a closer look at these ideas and consider how an art practice can enhance a positive state of mind during stressful times. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. And we, we're recording this episode uh, prior to the U.S. election results and in the midst of an upward surge of COVID cases. So a stress reduction, um, maintaining a positive state of mind is, is a concern. And it's a concern on my own mind, and I'm sure for a lot of people uh, listening to this, even if you're listening to this a long time from now, and many things have been settled, uh, but we all deal with this kind of stuff. And um, when I heard uh, Richard Davidson's talk, it really hit me when he talked about these four pillars of well-being, that they're familiar aspects of making art. And I found myself wondering um, if paying attention to these and what he said about them and how they applied to art could be useful. And I think they're, the four things that we're going to go through are, are not just about art. I mean, they're true for any um, of the meaningful and fulfilling things that we're involved in. I mean, the, these four things would be part of that. Uh, anything that's central to our lives and, you know, it's really engaging for us. But since, we're talking here mostly to visual artists. We're going to look at specifically at studio practice and how these things weigh in. And um, a word about Richard Davidson. Um, he's a neuroscientist and he's a professor of psychology and psychiatry at UW-Madison. And he's a founder um, of the Center for Healthy Minds. He studied well-being extensively as a science uh, and he's also a personal friend of the Dalai Lama who encouraged his studies in happiness and resilience. And he tells this story about how he started out um, coming at resilience from a more negative point of view, like how do people 
uh, handle stress or whatever. And the Dalai Lama encouraged him to focus on what makes people happy. <laughs> it was a slight shift in, to a more positive um, way of looking at things. And he has a website, um, www.richarddavidson.com, where he has a lot of information about these things. But perhaps I, for me, I think the most interesting thing was, he says, this stuff is a skill. Um, it's something we learn by doing. It's um, something we learn by being intentional about it. And that's supported by um, a lot of research that he's done and programs that he's developed. Uh, he has a TEDx talk on YouTube that's pretty interesting. And he talks about how our physical brains are actually changed um, by what we're experiencing and which is called neuroplasticity. There's our brains are plastic. They can change and in response to stimulus. And if we don't try to actively um, control what we're involved in, in our state of mind, we, you know, it's easy to fall prey to these negative factors like, we can become very distracted or we can be very separate from, you know, not being aware of what our own state of mind is. We can fall into loneliness and negative self-talk. And all these things are really challenging right now. And they're just challenging in our times. So anyway, he's, he's has this whole framework for improving your brain in terms of um, your, uh, your state, your state of mind. And also that that connects to your healthy body, healthy mind, healthy body. So, you know, that's all really interesting stuff to read about. And it, I think it offers a lot of hope because we're not necessarily stuck in these negative patterns. And as um, artists, we do have a really good pathway to this kind of uh, learning this as a skill that he talks about. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to say as a, you know, as an aside or a disclaimer, just because we're artists doesn't mean we're automatically there. I mean, lots of artists suffer from anxiety and depression and, you know, have trouble keeping optimism. Right. Well, and in a lot of cases, the the source of creative energy is this very emotional aspect of ourselves that's very much affected by... Um, you know, current events or what's going on in the outside world. Um, but what makes us happy is not having a perfect life where nothing goes wrong. You know, it's it's in how we address the issues in our lives as they as they come up, and yeah. and and in what we choose to focus our energy on. Right, and his his kind of approach is well, how can you control your state of mind? Um, can you learn to control your state of mind through these four pillars? And have um, ways of coping um, so that you're resilient. And resilience is a big word for him. And it just, it all seems so um, related to what so many people are dealing with right now a lot of anxiety, uh, a lot of isolation. And so I guess, you know, sharing these ideas, I hope is helpful. It, like I said, it certainly doesn't, it's not easy and it's not an answer for everyone. Um, but I found them interesting and I found them to be things that I thought I would pay more attention to in my own life. And they're also interconnected. And we're going to go through these four things here in a minute. But I think if you can even enhance one of these in your own life, it, it sort of bleeds into the other ones in good ways. 
Um, so I think we'll just go through the four things and comment. Um, and of course, uh, Richard Davidson is not talking about an art practice alone, but <laughs> I mean, this, this is the lens through which we're going to look at it. But the first one is awareness. And his studies showed that his studies showed that people who were more aware of what they were doing at any given moment reported more feelings of happiness. He did a study where he was checking in with people by cell phone saying, what are you doing right at this moment? How aware are you of what you're doing right at this moment? And also how, how your feelings of happiness or unhappiness. And he found that the people that were you know, really focused on whatever it was they were doing, reported that they felt happier than those whose minds were elsewhere. And he he talks about something he calls meta-awareness, which is that moment when you realize that you've lost awareness and you come back to it. And I think, you know, we've all had this when we're driving cars, unfortunately, maybe. We're driving down the highway and all of a sudden it's 10 miles later and our brains have been somewhere else. Um, it's that moment when you come back and you say, oh, wait a minute, here I am. Um, I've noticed this when I'm out hiking sometimes and I'll, I'm in a beautiful place and I'll, I'll start to, you know, go over something in my mind, a conversation or something I have to do. And I drift away from what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, I just snap back to it. And I say, wow, just look around. What, what am I seeing? What am I experiencing right now? And immediately that stress falls away that wherever my brain was going um, in the studio, I think that happens too. I mean, it happens to me. The the kind of the ideal state of mind in the studio really is is a kind of state of flow where you're you're really deeply focused and concentrating on whatever's in front of you. You're responding to it. You're very much in the moment of creating your art. And yet we have these times when our brains go elsewhere. It could go into uh, anything that concerns us during a day. The news, um, what somebody said, what I should have said, what what I have to buy at the store. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> somebody who made fun of you in the seventh grade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's amazing all the channels our brains can go down. And whenever you, whenever you leave that involvement in the moment you know, you risk um, a little bit of happiness there. You risk letting in anxiety. And of course, we all do have to plan and we all do have to do these other things. Um, but that, but when you're in the studio, as much as you can keep that clear channel to your work, um, that's really good. And it doesn't mean that you don't step back and analyze or say, hmm, I think this needs a better composition. I mean, that's part of it too, as is, if you think back to the um, episode we did about the creative process, which was, I think, 148, um, that first step of the creative process, which was gathering ideas, um, paying attention to what interests you, um, I think that's part of this awareness, too. Knowing, right now, I want to read a book about something that another artist that interests me or something like that, that it's just that focus. Uh, and the other thing I think that applies in the studio is, and this is a, um, in, there's a kind of a thing in Buddhist philosophy, which I don't know a lot about, and I'm not going to pretend that I do, but there's something about washing your bowl, like washing the dishes, um, where if you can bring 
awareness to even these really mundane things, it really helps. I mean, most of us wash dishes and think about something else. I know I do. Probably primarily on my brain is I want to get the dishes done, you know. <laughs> I, I don't want to spend time doing this. But the idea that you slow down, focus, what are you doing right now? And just let that be what it is, um, is is a kind of an enlightening moment, really. Um, and so there's a lot of those in the studio. There's like stretching your canvas, putting gesso down, cleaning, <laughs> you know, any of the stuff you do that you're not really crazy about spending time doing, but not, I guess the whole idea is not being impatient with that or saying, ah, I just want to get this done, but saying, ah, now I'm cleaning my palate, you know, and just kind of get into that um, as kind of a channel. And anyway, I think all that stuff is involved in awareness. We practice it in so many ways in the studio. Um, and anything that's kind of clouding your awareness, anything negative in your brain or anything you're just kind of perseverating about or thinking about, um, if you can, if you can have that moment of meta moment of meta awareness where you say, "Ah, enough of that! I'm coming back to what I'm doing right now, right here," um, and practicing that. Well, and artists have this tremendous advantage because of what they do and the fact that um, that what that that creating art is so process driven. And it's it's done on your schedule. You're not necessarily, um, you know, you don't have a boss breathing down your neck or something like that. Right. And right. so there's there's this tremendous advantage to being able to enter this mind state and practice it in your daily life without having pressures from other people imposed on you. Right. And I've often thought, you know, when you're in that flow when you are involved in your process and everything's just kind of unfolding, it, it seems to me a form of meditation because you are absolutely, you know, you're not focused on your breathing as you might be in meditation, but maybe you're focused on whatever color you're putting down or something. And it, it shifts. And I don't want to say that it's exactly like meditation in any sense, but it's a kind of that state of mind of, of being very involved, being very aware. And that's also when you're usually doing your best work. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, what What the philosophy that I talked about washing your bowl would say, anybody can do this anytime. But as far as being involved in your work, I, I agree, artists and any type of creative endeavor has that advantage because you love the process. You love what you're doing. You may not love washing your dinner dishes, um, and it, it does make it easier when you, when you love what you're doing. So I, I want to move on to this next one, which is connection. And what Davidson is really talking about here, as far as I can get, is that we all need interpersonal connection. We need to both give and receive things like kindness, appreciation, compassion, um, and this was the one that I, I got a little hung up on as far as, well, how does that apply to making art? Because typically, you know, a studio practice is pretty solitary. We're by ourselves. But what are we doing? Why are we making the art? It is a form of communication. And I think most of us feel that we want to connect with other people through the art. Um, 
we have thoughts and feelings, we want to communicate those. And that's a really a, a big motivation um, for making art that is so basic, really. And so um, there are people who'd say, who say, I would make art even if no one ever saw it. Um, and I'll acknowledge that. But I don't think it's true for most people. I think the idea that someone is going to respond to this is part of it. Um, we appreciate other artists as well. And, you know, we're communicating with other artists about their work. And there's usually a, every, most artists have some sort of community, whether it's online or whether it's um, just going to a show and enjoying someone else's work. There's a sense that you're part of a bigger thing, that you're part of um, people who are making art, people who are appreciating art and kind of um, establishes that that connection, that social connection. Um, and, you know, one of the things Davidson talks about is a generosity, is experiencing generosity. You're giving and you're receiving, and artists do that all the time with each other, um, where, you, where you talk to other artists about their work. We have lots of opportunities for this in conversation, in business practice, um, being generous, in mentoring or teaching others. And a lot of artists do something like that, whether it's informal or formal, they're helping another artist, they're talking to other people. So, um, you know, the more I thought about that sense of connection that is important to a sense of well-being, I thought, yes, it is part of art. It is also something that we, that's maybe the easiest of these four pillars to let go, to, to feel isolated, to feel solitary, um, to think, what am I doing? Is this even important to anyone, um, especially in times of stress? And to try to find that connection, enhance it, do what you can to make it happen might be a key if you are feeling isolated and lonely. Um, we, we have this path as artists. Real quick, I want to tell you all about the latest news from Cold Wax Academy, the membership program that Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, have developed for online learning about cold wax medium. The learning at Cold Wax Academy goes beyond just cold wax and applies to all painting mediums and all aspects of enhancing your art practice. Winter Quarter starts in January and featured topics include texture, layering, and how to look at and talk about your art. There will be live online sessions, guest speakers, live critiques of member artwork, and opportunities to interact personally with Rebecca and Jerry. Right now, you can join Cold Wax Academy at 2020 prices and lock in that cost for the duration of your membership. For more information about membership levels and learning opportunities, visit www.coldwaxacademy.com. That's www.coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. So, and with uh, creative endeavors in general, I think that it is super important to to embrace that connection because, as you say, there are people that are that are so deeply self motivated that they they will be creating all the time, even if no other people ever see it. Um, but I find that whenever there's a creative project, um, there are things that I do that are very self motivated and self driven. Um, but it's, there's always a, a longing for some kind of feedback mm. or some, some kind of 
connection with another human being through that work. And mm-hmm. I find that it's it's very motivating to to do collaborations for that reason. Um, I yeah. really feel that this podcast um, wouldn't have taken off the way it did if it didn't have both of us involved with it and um, and and giving each other feedback and pushing each other. For um, sure, you know, absolutely. It, we because of, there's two of us involved and there's give and take. Where you know when one of us is feeling like, ah, do we really need to produce an episode today? The other one saying, yeah, we need we need to create content. We need to get it out there. And <laughs> right. If if there's only and, and in collaborations, um, you know, if if only one person is motivated, then eventually it's going to fall apart. But um, you know, with two people who are creative and motivated and are pushing each other. Um, mm-hmm. And this this is why I think it's really important to um, to connect with other artists, um, even if you're not working on the same project. Just being able to show your work to other people and give them feedback and and receive feedback from somebody else that's honest and is gonna is gonna push you, and um, you know try to try to have you always striving for for the next step in your in your practice. Um, yeah. So I think that 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 personal connection is super important. I agree. And I mean, and, you know, in terms of the podcast, you know, we, we happen to be recording it and putting it out there for <laughs> thousands of people. Uh, and yet, the basis of it is you and I communicating. And then we all but we also know we're also communicating in some way with everybody who's listening. And it, it makes it bigger. And it's, you know, it's a really good feeling. Um so it it does kind of start though with that just two people talking, and um, as artists finding another artist to talk to is, I mean, it's just really pretty crucial. And a lot of artists do develop some sort of community um, around themselves, so that people that work in the same medium or people that are interested in the same kind of stuff. And you know, it's it's especially important now with. Um, the pandemic going on and we're not getting out to openings and things like that as much. So anyway, that that one connection, something to enhance if you don't feel like you have enough of it. I think it's the the, the one of these four that is a little bit harder to, to get there. Um, the third one is, is insight. Um, and many times when we talk about these more philosophical topics, related to art, we talk about the need for introspection. It's such a big part of an art practice, you know, asking ourselves the big questions about what's important and, you know, what do I want to say? And if you if you think back to the, the podcast we did about creative process, um, it was um, one of the steps of the creative process questioning <laughs> that is recognized. And you know, creativity really requires a self-reflection, even if it's mostly intuitive. I mean, sometimes we don't have to put everything into words, but we are sensitive to experience and whatever we're being moved by does tend to find its way into our work. And so um, the other thing that Davidson talks about, though, with this um, aspect of insight is has to do with um the negative kind of self-talk that people often indulge in that sort of feels like insight. You know, you sort of say, ah, well, I guess I'm just the kind of person who never does this or that. Um, 
or or feeling that you have some truth about yourself that's quite negative and that enters into your brain a lot. And he's saying, um, you know, to really look at that and say, uh, where does that come from? What is that? Is that real? Um, is it actually the way you are? And is it uh, is it true? Because we can pick up a lot of stuff about ourselves that, you know, we are prone to believe, but may not actually be that true, or maybe something that we can start to work on changing. And so the insight encompasses this kind of self-reflection that isn't necessarily about our art, but it certainly can influence how we operate in the studio and elsewhere. Um, a lot of artists talk about negative self-talk that they struggle with, that, you know, their inner voice is saying, ah, you're no good at this, or what's so important about this, or you have nothing to say. And those are the kind of, you know, inner inner voices that can really mess you up. And I know we've, we've done podcasts about that in the past, and uh, I know you have some great advice about that, Ross, and I, I've, I have taken that advice, I want you to know, in which you said when you, when you have a really negative self-thought about yourself, to replace it with something more positive. And it, it, it's quite uplifting, <laughs> you know, to, to just replace it and try to, try to make that positive idea come back into your head when the negative one starts to intrude. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a skill that needs to be developed over time. Absolutely. It is. Um, the first time you do it, you think, well, that seems kind of, uh, you know, awkward or not natural. And then, try to work on it. And it's, you know, as a response. And, it, you know, and I said, like, at the beginning, this is this stuff is all interrelated. And so here's an example of awareness, which was the first one on the list, saying, you know what, I just had a really negative self thought. What could I say? And, you know, what could I say to replace that? It's an awareness that you had it in the first place, because some of this stuff can run as a background tape that you're you're not very aware of, but it's influencing what you do and how you respond to things. You may you may have a a negative thought that says, Well, I don't really believe in good opportunities. I'm a little suspicious when something comes along. And so you may act on that without really thinking. You get an email from somebody saying, Hey, what about this? Should we do that? And you think, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. That doesn't sound right. And then if you have that awareness, oh, wait a minute. What if I replace that with, hey, tell me more about it, or this really could be a good idea, um, and and try to bring that positive into it. So, um, yeah, and I and I also think that it's important in terms of like your your mental state and mm -hmm. combating right. negative self-talk and things like that. Um, I think it's also really important to consider what kind of media you're, you're consuming. Um, and, uh, if, if you're watching a lot of really sad TV shows or listening to a lot of really sad music or, um, you know, watching the news too much, you know, I, which is hard not to do. And it, it, there's definitely a lot of social pressure too to stay informed on what's going on in mm -hmm. the world. Um, and it is important. But at the same time, um, it's uh, it's also important to to take care of yourself and take care of what's going on in your own head, and to focus on the things that you can actually control and do something about. Um, yeah. And if you're if you're consuming 
more positivity than negativity, then that's really going to help you to to maintain a positive state of mind as well. Right. And, you know, again, I'm thinking about the second one here, connection. And in terms of our work, um, the insight that other people can bring to you about your work and the positive things they may say about your work, um, we need to take those in and not dismiss them. Um, which is sometimes a response and, and that gets back to the, the communication and, you know, it is all, it's all tied together. And the last one, um, that Davidson mentions is a sense of purpose. Wow. That one really applies to artists big time, I think. Um, and what he means is, you know, you feel like you're heading in a particular direction that you have this kind of overriding purpose and that, um, other things you do are kind of integrated into that. Um, you feel motiva- motivated, energized. Something is meaningful. Something is bringing you back to it every day or as, as very often. And so that, you know, that's so central to who we are as artists that we find what we do meaningful. Um, it can be tested when we're feeling down or we're feeling anxious. You may question uh, what's the value of making art when there are bad things going on in the world? Um, I've heard that a lot in the last six months or so. What's the point? Um, but I think to answer that, it has to be what you feel and experience in your own mind. And I think we have to come to that. You know, that's something no one can tell you the answer to that. But it does have to do with... Um, our contribution, what we can contribute to the world as artists. And I guess for me, believing that's always important to to being people, to being human, <laughs> to have right. art and creativity in our lives, no matter what else is going on. Well, and there's always tragedy in the world. There's always something going on that, that is negative. Um, and it, it can oftentimes feel as if the world is in like a constant perpetual state of ongoing collapse. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you look back in time, um, there's, there's been many times throughout history where, where people went through serious struggles, even in recent history, even in the United States. Um, and I think it's important to, to put it all into some kind of context and, um, you know, a mentor of mine told me never bet on the end of the world because it only happens once. And if it does, it's not really going to matter. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's pretty wise, I guess. <laughs> he said, he said, you know, this, there's, there's always, there's always doomsayers and there's always people who are convinced that the world is ending and it hasn't happened yet. You know, I mean, and some there's been struggles, there's been things that have happened. It sure feels like the world is ending sometimes, um, and and for all we know, it might be, but you don't bet on that because you're you're not. You know, if you if you bet on the end of the world, you would have lost every every bet up until now, and you know when you lose that bet, it's not going to be it's not going to matter because the world is over. So, <laughs> so. So in terms of your own sense of purpose, I mean, how do you, how do you reconcile that? I mean, how do you, I think, I think you focus on what you can control and you focus on Mm -hmm. what's going to make a difference in your life. It's like putting on your oxygen mask when the plane's going down, you know, like 
you can't help other people if you don't help yourself first. And maybe this plane's gonna tra- gonna crash and we're all gonna die. But it's it's still the still the first thing you do is take care of yourself because you're no good to anybody else if you if you haven't taken care of yourself. And you know, I think in in the day to day, every day, you know, there's there's something we as artists could do, which is. Uh, go to the studio at least most days. Recognize that that the, that what you do is important, at least to yourself, and hopefully to other people. And again, it goes back to the sense of community, the sense of connection. Um, and and it excites you, and it motivates you, and it makes it that makes it important. Um, and even if you just move move yourself, move physically <laughs> to the studio. Um, Sometimes that's all you have to do to get past a, a negative kind of roadblock in your brain about the purpose or the meaning or anything like that. And you just start doing some little thing. And pretty soon you forget, oh, wait, I was questioning the purpose of this. <laughs> pretty soon you're just doing what you do. And and that, you know, if we're talking about a sense of well-being and cultivating that sense of well-being through these approaches – um, that seems really important to just do what you do and and not not worry about it too much um, as far as whether it's purposeful in a, in a much bigger picture because it's purposeful to you and it makes you feel good and you're not hurting anyone by doing it and so it it just seems like a step we can take to recognize to have awareness of. The, how meaningful and important it is to you. And a lot of different topics we've talked about on the podcast come back to that, of of looking back over our lives and seeing how it's been important, of seeing the progress we've made, of you know feeling good about other people responding to it. I mean, all these things. It's so important. And we don't want to lose sight of that. Um, right. And it, it's important to cultivate it. I think that what we all really deeply want is to leave the world better is to have a, a net positive influence on the world. Um, and if you, you the, the way that you do that is you start with yourself and improving yourself. And then in doing that, you're naturally going to improve the lives of other people. Um, and, and, and it gives you more um, time and energy to focus on other people. If you, if you are in a, a state that is stable and, um, and you're not, uh, other people aren't worried about, about taking care of you because you've managed to take care of yourself and now you can focus on them. And that's how we improve the world is by, is by starting small, start with, start with just the things that you control, start with just yourself and Mm -hmm. then move out and expand your circle and expand your radius of influence and contribute positively to everyone who you encounter on a daily basis. And I think it's it's important to go back to that, I mean, th- that basic scientific fact that Davidson is bringing to the table, and he is a neuroscientist saying, our brains change in response to building on these four ideas. Um and so it, it's not like you have to look at it and say, oh, oh, wait, I don't have awareness. Well, forget it then. These are all things that can be, they're skills. He makes a big point. These are skills, awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. 
and wherever you feel like you don't quite have it, that I mean, I think it's so interesting that actually you can change your very being by trying to improve, at least in his view, these four things. This is one person's point of view, but I, I did find it so interesting that as artists, if we practice our art, we're doing these things every single day, and we have the opportunity to build on them every single day that we're making art, um, which just kind of made me feel really good when I read that, <laughs> that um, we have this channel, and it's there. Um, and I mean, what he recommends is we spend some time each day involved in practicing these approaches, and this actually affects our brain structure. So... I find that really helpful, really optimistic, even if I feel like sometimes I'm falling short in some of these things, I'm practicing them, getting better, hopefully. Well, and I, I think another thing to focus on, I don't I don't want, because I've been talking a little bit about self-care and well-being, and, and this is an episode for that, um, but I don't want to ignore the... Um, the the interactions and the connections that are important to us in taking care of other people and I, right. I think that as you go about your day you know my challenge to the listeners especially if you're having a bad day especially if you're you're stressed out and you're anxious and you're depressed um and i you know it's important to acknowledge those feelings but also when we interact with other people i think i think it's it's very important that everyone who interacts with you comes away from that interaction feeling better than they did before and and we can do that in very small ways um and it's it's harder now because our social interactions are so limited and we doing something simple like smiling at somebody isn't you can't do that anymore because you're wearing a mask if you're in public um and it's but we when we do have those interactions and and it's it's also it's so easy on social media to go negative with people and to get upset we don't have that that feeling of we're talking to a person because we're just typing onto a, a screen. Um, but I think it's, it's if we challenge ourselves to, to try to make sure that every person that we interact with feels better after we interacted with them, it's going to have a cascading effect. You know, we're, we're going to get positivity back to us. Those people are going to go out and pass positivity along to other people. Um, because when you, when you, you know, put a bad taste in somebody's mouth they go on to the next person and and do the same to them but if we build people up that that also has a a domino effect where they want to go out and build somebody else up and make somebody else feel good well and i i do want to say you know you, you said right at the beginning of that well it's important to acknowledge if you're feeling down i think what's so what's so easy to do and hard to avoid is you know someone that you're close to a friend or your spouse or something and you say you start acting you know, down and depressed and angry and upset, and they think it's about them. Right. And I guess I guess the best thing we can do is to say, hey, I don't want you to think this is about you. Well, and if it is, just have an honest discussion. But most of the time, you know, if you're just feeling down about stuff, to, to try not to take it out on other people yeah, at the least. Absolutely. I mean, you may not make them feel really happy because they're going to feel bad for you, but at least let them know it's not them. And at least let them try to help you because they usually will want to. So anyway, um, 
And that all gets back to that sense of connection, which is one of these things that does help our own well-being. You know, we don't we don't really feel good about ourselves if we've, you know, dumped on somebody else and made them right. feel bad. It sort of perpetuates a bad thing. So, um, and eventually, those people won't want to be around you anymore if yeah, if all it, you do is bring negativity. It's a huge challenge, and we just absolutely don't want to make light of this at all. I mean, I think right now we're all struggling with a lot of these things. But I think that that it's just that basic idea of brain structure that's intriguing me about all this. When you're negative, you're reinforcing negativity in your own brain. Right. Um, and when you're positive, you are bringing positivity, positivity to your own brain. And what a, what a liberating idea, really. Um, so I, I think uh, whatever we can do in our art practice to help that happen is super important. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? I think what I just said, like how does our ongoing practice as artists help our sense of well-being? Um, according to these four basic ideas, things we do every day in the studio. And and of course, we do experience negative states of mind and anxiety and depression and self-doubt and all that stuff. We are not immune to these because of how we spend our time, but we do have a set of tools uh, for improving the state of mind, and some of which are going to take time. I mean, it's a skill to be learned. Um, others, we already do understand, and we practice them. And it may just be helpful to be more conscious of how they can help us, things we're already doing. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.